Oh, what is up, THP family? Uh, today, we are doing a podcast for the very first time with Connor Barth, a part of the team. Probably the first one in I don't even know how many months. Isaiah? Let's, just, let's just call this one episode one. This is episode <laughs> one. This is like Stephen Selly's dunk journey where he like changed his mind. <laughs> this is season two. Season two. Season yeah. two. Um, do we want to address why we deleted the podcast and bring it back? I mean, we've already touched on it, but like one of the biggest reasons why is because one, we got so much good feedback about the podcast, like months later, which like is kind of frustrating. Cause it's like, well, we stopped doing the podcast because like, it didn't seem like anyone liked it. And then all of a sudden everyone loved it. So it was like, oh, I'm doing all these podcasts. I'm spending like an hour a day doing them and editing them like another hour. And it doesn't seem like anyone's listening to them. So that's kind of where we got away from it. And then we the heroes that Instagram deserved, but not the one it, it needed. It, no, it's the one it needed, but not the one it deserved. Yeah, we were, the, we were the hero that Instagram needed, but not the one that it deserved. That's very true. And I think, uh, I mean, I think it's good that we're that we're back and we're doing it. And we have Connor now, uh, a part of the team, which is super exciting. So we'll, we'll be able to talk about a lot of different content. Um, I know my biggest issue is that I need to let um, other people give input sometimes. So that's something I need to work on. We'll have a bunch of new guests. Any other updates for the podcast? I don't know. I like it to be open format. And I'm fat. What'd you say? I'm fat. You're fat. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we'll give you guys life updates because we haven't really done this. And everyone's like, what are you guys doing? I don't see anything going on. Um, yeah, because we're busy coaching our job. Anyways, Isaiah is fat right now, apparently. Isaiah, do you want to go ahead and just let us know why you're fat? <laughs> yeah. So I just took a break from training and dunking for two weeks for the that's the longest break I've had basically probably for like two years I want to say aside from injuries um it's actually happened a lot because of injuries but um but aside from injuries the longest break and I weighed myself like two days ago and I was almost 190 and <laughs> nice I'm in the lab bro anyways <laughs> so. Yeah, I weighed myself and I was almost 190. And then John freaked out. He was like, "What the hell have you been doing?" And have you been doing? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my girlfriend came to visit me, who I haven't seen in months. And she while she was her. here, I realized that <laughs> I basically starve myself um, <laughs> in my daily life because, like, we actually started eating three meals a day, like you're supposed to. And after every meal, like I couldn't, like I couldn't eat all the food. It, it was literally more food than I was used to, um, and like it, it was to the point where I was like actually sick to my stomach because like I was eating too much. So for the first like like three or four days, I like couldn't eat. And then I started thinking about why, and it's because I literally just like I'll work till one without eating, eat a bowl of cereal, train, and then eat like and then eat like one more time. I was gonna say usually you will eat a bowl of cereal mid work. Can't do it anymore. I gotta eat, and that's just what you do. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I just haven't been used to eating, and yeah, and the past two weeks I've been actually eating like three meals a day, like I'm supposed to, plus not training. So yeah, but but look, I mean you're not gonna pull your abs up right now. Oh my god. Wow, I I just uncomfortable. No joke. I actually just experienced that exact same thing like for the last two or three weeks where I'm eating like way more because I'm not really training or jumping. Um but like I don't think I've put on much weight, probably like five pounds, but I mean same thing. It's like still Wow, Barth, I can't see with the oh, you do have abs. Yeah, uh, I still have abs, just in case anyone's like Wow, look at that. <laughs> that's what bad lighting too. That was bad lighting for abs. No, no, you're you're in the office, bro. Well, the lighting in the office is just not good. The lighting in the lab is very solid. <laughs> oh wow! For the for the viewers on YouTube, I'm glad you could all see that. That's the, uh, that's the thumbnail. Isaiah is fat. Yeah. Um, that was. All right, great. Welcome, that's welcome amazing. Welcome to the THP podcast, episode one. <laughs> yeah, literally the madness ensues, and it, this is usually how it goes. Anyway, so that's Isaiah's update. Uh, my update, um, I really have not been training either. Actually, I took a short break as well for uh, personal reasons. And where'd you go? <laughs> that's just, all of us been lazy for two weeks. Yeah, and Barth, Barth is still managing his knee, so he's also been not training that much either. Last two weeks, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff has like happened, so 
we are yeah i don't know any any other updates uh probably moving to pittsburgh that's that's part of something so if you're in pittsburgh and you're listening to this and you want to connect well feel free to do that i guess connor anything else with, with you anything new uh i'm not moving anywhere and uh yeah i haven't been posting to instagram much but you can look forward to that ramping up now starting well, this week actually, that's something new is connor's a part of the team as well that's true. I guess it doesn't feel new to me anymore because it's already been like a few weeks. For the viewers. <laughs> oh, for the viewers. Aside from us announcing it on Instagram, we haven't really like put anything out public like with all three of us yet. So, yeah. John has disappeared into another dimension. <laughs> oh, he's Fun back. Fact, that well, lab. Never too loud. Yeah, I went in the lab. I was back in the lab doing some work in the lab. <laughs> Had to run some uh, some tests on my Petri dishes. Uh, looking at tendons underneath a microscope. No, I'm kidding. Um, the COVID updates. Any COVID updates? Nothing really, guys. The world's still shut down. Congratulations. I predicted this in March. It's actually comical. <laughs> Not really. We started the podcast. It was right when COVID was, like, at its peak. Like, Right when, not its peak, but when stuff started like shutting like, really closing down. I think that's why we started the podcast because we literally had nothing to do. Literally, yeah, we started the podcast because of COVID. Anyways, I feel like that's enough of our personal lives updating and things like that. So my hair's a mess right now. Uh, don't worry about it. Anyways, we're going with some different topics today. What we're not going to talk, we have a couple different ones. I'm going to delete the first one. Maybe we'll talk about that later, but. Um, as we go, you, as you guys know, we get really off track, so we're going to do our best to stay on track, but it probably won't happen that way. So I want to talk about the penultimate step because especially specifically for two foot jumping. And the reason why is because so many people don't understand what it does, how it's used, how to do it correctly, common mistakes, like no matter how much we talk about it, I feel like people don't get it. So I want to turn this over to you guys. Uh, Isaiah, you said this a little while back, and this is something I learned since probably the last time we podcasted. Um, but what do you think about when you're grounding your penultimate step? Actually, when you do a jump in general, and maybe this this actually shows you how important the penultimate step is. Didn't you previously communicate to me that the only thing you think about is basically the penultimate step? Like, Yeah. Yeah. So I basically, I don't think at all during the run. I'm just staying relaxed. And then as soon as my right foot hits the ground, I just think about pushing hard and taking a super big step um, for the penultimate, and that's it. And then the rest kind of just takes care of itself. Yeah. So do you think, like... That's the only, like, thing that I'm, like, consciously, like, like almost, like, actively, like, pushing. You know what I mean? Everything else, like, kind of flows and is relaxed. Does it feel like a big push? Does it feel like upright sprinting? Does it feel like acceleration? What kind of, like... Does it feel it like, like accelerating? It feels like the first step in a sprint getting out of the three-point stance. Really? Yeah. That's actually that, that's how I would describe that also. Hmm. That's actually really, really insightful. Okay. In, in terms of imagine you're running. Imagine you're running, right, like on flat ground, and then there's stairs, and like you step on the first stair, and then you take a big like leap up the stairs. You try to – oh, that is one or, of the most... – or, or, or imagine you're running into a pool – and then, like, you know, you jump into the pool by just running into it. So you take that, like, huge last step and you just extend into the pool but don't take another step. Like like you're jumping into a pool is what you're saying? Like as far as you can? Like a long jump, like into a cannonball? Yeah. Huh. Like that, that's, that's how it feels You're doing me. that into the ground. Oh, that's yeah. actually crazy. So it's like when you jump into the pool. Like you're doing a cannonball as far as you can or something like that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But I'm still jumping up. You're trying to stay as close to the water as possible. Is that what you feel like, Barth? Yeah. Huh. Like it's like I am I am jumping as far as I can, but not going up at all. That's that's what it feels like. Yeah, you're like a bottom feeder in the in the bottom you're of trying, the. You're trying to like run across the water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that I bet if you actually went and tried to like take a giant step and push into the water like you were gonna run across it, that that is exactly what it feels like. Maybe we're gonna start integrating that as a drill. I always like these questions because. I think a lot of the time, like when I was at Altus specifically, you know, you'd be working with these pro sprinters, the guys that run like 10 in in 100, literally 971 or, 9, or 979 is what Andre de Grasse ran. So he's literally one of the fastest guys ever in the history of the world. And he's like, you know, coming out of the blocks and his rhythm's crazy and he's hitting the ground super hard and he's super volitional. And I'm like, okay, listen to the coach, like rhythm, 
positions project or what is he, they always used to say projection angle rhythm and uh i don't know if it was propulsion no that's not what they talked about it was always like pushing or something like how far you displaced out of the first block i think it was like pushing or it was projection rhythm and then projection angle or something or angle so they would talk about how well you pushed out the angle and all this shit but they never talked about what it felt like and i'm like asking the guys i'm like yo what i pulled jeremy dodson aside he's like a really fast sprinter um so he runs for samoa and i'm like what does it feel like like what are you thinking about what is, what are the, what sensations do you get because like as a high jumper one of the things that always made me better as a jumper when it comes to coordination you have to be able to feel things like you have to know what feels right because when you're doing it you're going to feel the jump like you're going to feel your foot behind you that's proprioception you know what i mean knowing where your limbs are in space and then, like, the more that I kind of chase that sensation, whatever that feels like, the, the better it got. So for you guys, like what you said, you know, it feels like you're running across water. Or Isaiah, like you said, it feels like, you know, you're jogging up to some stairs and you get to that first step and you try to take as cover as many steps as you possibly can up the stairs as possible. Right. Um, you know, those are some different sensations. Like, you know, I, I think that that creates some context into people's head because everyone's ran upstairs before. Everyone's tried to cover as many stairs. Everyone's jumped into a pool like those are easy things to relate to. So uh, in terms of coaching, it creates like some context. I don't know if you guys have any comments on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest problem I've run into with people is it's one of two things, right, when it comes to the penultimate step. So either they don't extend fully, um, which I think y'all probably see that a ton too, or yeah. they they extend fully, but they extend up at like a slight diagonal instead of like their hips should drop some, their hips go up because they actually like hop. You don't literally want to hop up into the air. Yeah, they jump normally. into the takeoff. They jump yeah. into the foot. But like those people, if they just push forward instead of that slight up, they're fixed. And then the other people is just having to like mentally get the sensation of just fully extending. Um, I've been giving, because I've been seeing that problem a lot recently, the hopping into it. You can really tell when somebody hops into it if the angle of their plant leg is really big. You know, like the angle like to the ground. Yeah, Oh. You mean their shin angle? Yeah, the shin angle, the shin angle to the ground. So if uh, it's like really vertical, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, you can tell someone hopped if it's closer to vertical. A toe off or touchdown? At touchdown. Touchdown. At touchdown of the plant leg. Oh, touchdown of the plant leg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. plant leg. All right, okay. You guys confused me. So when you when you touch down the plant foot, so if you're right left, the right foot, that leg is super vertical, is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, like super vertical in the sense of like Isaiah and I might be at like a, our shins at like a 45 degree angle. It's probably lower than that. But like someone else would be at like 55, 65 because they hopped up more. Yeah. yeah. I've seen some really like vertical like. Like, like Justin Darlington. Yeah. E no, even Justin Darlington, I think, has a pretty. He hops into it, but then he like adjusts his body in the he air. Looks like he's jumping onto a snowboard, bro. He looks like he's jumping onto I, a snowboard. I think the more the more speed you have, the the smaller the shin angle needs to be, so that I you can it. like convert that to. Because think about it, if you're if you're going fast as hell, and then you plant with a vertical shin angle, like your body, you're gonna just tip over. Yeah, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna rotate. That's what and, I and John has, John has <laughs> talked about this when he says like Isaiah's best jumps look more like he's rebounding off the floor than anything. Yeah, like, right. like the deeper that angle is, the more time you have to like actually build up the strength and then like extend. If you're already at the top, you don't have any time to extend or build any power. You just have to go. Can you feel that when you guys do it? Hundred percent. I can feel it. Feel what the like the force? No, not the force, but like Bar saying, like if you have a really too vertical angle, you can feel you just don't have any time to push up. Yeah, like to me, it feels like I'm falling forward. Really? Like, I don't really know because, like, the times – the only times I've really used, like, a, a high vertical shingle is when in-game, um, like, just because, like, it forces me to use that. Like, maybe I don't have time to fully extend or something like that. Um, or, like, during warm-ups, I also um, have a pretty high shingle, but that's because I'm not using, like, any speed at all into my approach. Um, and then also I feel like the more – I think the more your block foot leg bends, the more vertical you can be, if that makes sense. Like, really? the more, yeah, like, the more balanced I am, like, between both legs, like, like I don't think you need to be as 
Because you can't really yeah. bend your block foot. If you're all the way, like, leaned, you know what I mean? Like, you can't use your block foot as much. So, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. I'm really confused by you're saying it. So, you're saying as your block foot touches down. Yeah. If you're leaning back too far. Was that yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you have a if you have a small shin angle, right? So so that that foot's coming in like this, like yes. almost parallel to the ground. So for those of you that, that don't know what you're saying, you're not gonna be able to get a lot of push from your block foot. Your block foot's gonna be play more of a deflection role. Like it's gonna come through and then and then hit. But if you're more vertical, like it's your block foot's in a better position to apply force. That's not ideal. I'm not saying that's what people should do. But that's that's how people I think get away with it is they use their they're like more balanced between both legs and they have more. Oh, so you're saying you're saying it turns into like almost like a hop step. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You do you feel that sensation? Yeah, that's that's how I feel when again when I'm not using an efficient strategy at all. Like if I do a hop step or if I go like slow as shit, then it's more vertical and I'm using like it's almost like going off vert but with like speed. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would describe, like, if I'm doing, like, one or two-step jumps, I really don't use the block foot the same way I do on an approach. And it's, like, I use my left leg more for the raw power and not the stopping my forward momentum and just deflecting as much. Yeah. But I jump highest when I use mostly my right leg for power and I just deflect off the floor with my left. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. That I'm sensation, as a two, as for me, as a two-foot jumper... I started to have a little bit, but like on a nine, eight rim, you know what I mean? Like I started to get better on a nine, eight rim, but it, it felt so weird because like, it almost felt like I was like, like, a, like the floor was like a trampoline on my really good jumps off two feet. Like I definitely jumped a little bit into my two foot and I, I felt like a shit ton of pressure between my feet and the ground, but like that block foot still came through. It wasn't like a stomp, you know what I mean? Like it was maintaining all the technical elements you guys just talked about, but like I would... I'd maintain all the technical elements you just talked about, but I felt like a lot of pressure. Like I felt like I was like pushing down into the floor hard still. So I don't know if maybe that was like bad technique, but on my plant foot for sure. On the block foot, it felt like it just was like that. Actually, I'd say that was more on the penultimate step. It felt like a like a hard push up and forward a little bit sometimes. And then like the plant foot would come down with a shit ton of force. Like what does Steven always say? Jump harder. It felt like that. It felt like I was jumping harder, you know? Do you yeah. feel like a lot of pressure between your, like, on your good jumps, you're just, like, fucking ripping into the ground? Or is it just, like, a it's, like skip off the ground? When, I don't know about Zay, but, like, when I jump really, really well, it's, I, I feel the pressure in the sense of, like, when I do my plant leg. So, like, I push and I feel the pressure in the ball of my foot that I'm pushing off of. So, for me, that's my left. Um, and, like, I'll feel how hard I'm pushing in my foot and in, like, my hip. And my lower back, like I can just feel like I'm pushing as hard as I possibly can. Um, and then I'll feel like, like my quad will like, I can feel it like tightening um, when I'm getting into like deeper position and my block foot's coming through. And then like, like, I guess how Wait, I would so describe that's a, yeah, your plant foot you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like here, let me, sure of the I'll stand. I'll stand well, Barth, you got to understand this audio. People are going to listen on audio as well. But <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I'll, I'll describe it while I uh, go through this. Oh, but, wow. That's your actual room. I thought that was another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have bands and stuff. Um, okay. So as I'm coming through and, like, I push out onto my plant leg, like, here. Yeah. I, I can feel my quad, like, tense super hard whenever I'm doing, like, legit jumps. Um, but then... Like, I'll get down, and I'll be, like, in a low... Like, I get in pretty deep knee bends, and then I'll, like... When when my block hits the floor and my arms are swinging through, too, I can, like, feel that in my stomach. Like, that's like where I feel it forces, usually. Like, how hard you're stopping that momentum and taking it vertically? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't feel it in my legs anymore. I feel it in, like, my like my lower back and my core. Um, and then it's just like that happens for like a split second, but then the actual movement of jumping feels effortless. Like it feels like nothing happened because I don't really stop. I just redirect. So like I feel it in my core because that's me like keeping myself upright as I stop with my legs. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's the best I can describe it right now. That's actually super interesting, like super insightful stuff. And, and, and I'll say that like the most sore thing that I ever have after really good jump days is like my upper back and my like core. Really? By far. My legs are not nearly as sore as the rest of my body. 
So well, like, I guess maybe that's because you don't train your core. No, I'm maybe <laughs> may, that may be true that I don't train enough core, but uh, like, <laughs> but I know it's also like, I like swing my arms extremely hard when I'm jumping like as hard as I can. With me, I don't, I don't really feel anything on the actual jump. I think before, um, when I was in as experienced, I used to be more like conscious of it or like aware of it. Um, but now I don't really feel anything as much until I start getting tired. Um, but I will say the next day, like the only thing that ever gets sore will be my quad, my left quad, left glute. And then actually like the most ridiculous soreness will be for my traps. Like that's just like yeah. by far yeah. the thing that gets the most sore is definitely my traps. I wonder if that's from like the type of dunks that you're doing now too, if that plays like a role in it, you know, cause I feel uh, like it's from, uh, yeah, it's from like pulling back. Yeah. Oh, really? And also off the dribble, um, I started noticing uh, when people go off the dribble during the penultimate, like dunkers that are good off the dribble, they go like this. Uh, they shrug up. Into yeah, their dunk. Your background is, uh, you got to shut your background off. You got to get out of the, wherever you are in the country. Come back, <laughs> come back to planet Earth. The outlands. <laughs> this is why you guys, you know, you can listen to this on audio or you can watch it. And part of the reason why it's beneficial to watch it is because of demonstrations like this. Yeah. So when I take when I take my penultimate right here, my my shoulders are coming up. So I'm going I'm literally going like like that. Yeah, dude, I felt that, too. Yeah, actually, dude, I actually off the dribble. I would even feel it. I'm not great off the dribble. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like, I actually do that in my normal jumps. That's like a lot of people notice that and they're like, oh, like you have the like you're wonky. And I'm like, I don't know. That's just what I do. Like, yeah. And if you've noticed, like every two foot like jumper has just big ass traps, even if they're skinny, like you can yeah. see like, traps like dude, I don't lift upper body at all. And my traps are like decent. You yeah. know what's like super weird is uh, power cleans make your upper back and upper trap massive. <laughs> like, like I have a, ma I don't jump off two feet. But if you see videos of me jumping, I always say turtle back. Cause I'm like, dude, I look like a turtle. Like from the back, if you watch me jump off one foot, my traps are ridiculous. My lats are huge for a one foot jumper, which is pretty atypical. You don't usually like see that a ton for one foot jumpers, especially cause I'm like a power jumper with a big ass arm swing. Basically if you're a bodybuilder and you want big ass traps, just jump off two feet and do heavy ass power cleans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would probably I, work. I used to think upper body had nothing to do with two foot jumping, but I definitely did not believe that anymore. I think it just depends on like what, where you're talking about the mass. Like, I think well, we've I think, talked about this before. I mean, I think having giga big pecs is not the way to go, but. What about uh, biceps? Yeah. Biceps for elbow hangs. You need a little cushioning, honestly. What about triceps? Do you think triceps have any role? You know, I've oh. always wondered that because my triceps are actually pretty big. <clears throat> well, I think like back to the trap thing, and this is kind of interesting, maybe a potential mechanism is like you look at baseball players, for example, right? And when they throw, they have to decelerate their arm after they throw, right? So they'll come through, they load up the rotator cuff, and then they go through internal rotation, and then they fall through. And then that shoulder in the back has to stop their arm from coming out of socket. And I think sometimes, like, maybe uh, a similar mechanism of, like, hey, look, when you swing your arms back that hard and that far, uh, maybe there's some oscillation of the shoulders or something like that. And, like, you have to decelerate your – well, you get a massive stretch shortening cycle on the backswing, but that would more be in your chest and in your shoulders. So the only other thing I can think is after you finish the jump, right, you're shrugging upwards, right, you're elevating your rib cage. So your, your, your rib cage can elevate and depress, right? Like we can breathe in, it comes up or drop it out. So when you finish a jump, you end in this elevation of the rib cage, but your scapula is also pushed vertical. So your scapula is the bone on your back that helps your shoulder. It supports your shoulders. Actually, maybe it's more like that. Um, and I think like maybe when you finish the jump, that's where you're actually getting all that load is like as you swing them through on the bottom, like at the bottom of the swing, it's almost like the very bottom of a roller coaster. You know what I mean? Where you ever ride on a roller coaster and you get to the bottom of the hill and you feel all that pressure, you know what I mean, at the bottom of the hill? Like it's mm -hmm. like you feel all that force and the force goes way, way up and then you start on the way up and then obviously that changes a little bit. But if you've ever been on a roller coaster, you'd know what sensation I'm talking about. If you think about where your arm swing is at the very bottom of your jump or if you think about your arms coming through uh, this 
you guys can't see this, but from behind you all the way through, like at the very bottom of that arm swing, there's a shit ton of force and your traps are functioning eccentrically to, I guess, stop your arms from coming out of socket. So like you have to amortize at the shoulders and then finish tall through the movement. And if you have a super aggressive arm swing and you're running super fast and you're dropping your momentum and then I guess coming out of the bottom of the jump um, or turning around, uh, I don't even know what you like amortizing, I guess maybe is the right term, the jump. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of tension up in the shoulders to be able to handle those forces. Um, so I kind of covered a lot of different things there, but I actually thinking about it kind of, I was kind of externally processing that and like talking through a potential, a couple different potential mechanisms. So it could be, I think the backswing would probably get your chest, but then I bet you where your traps hurt is at the very bottom of the arm swing and then driving up through the top of the jump. Right. So I bet you at the bottom, it's like a big stretch on the trap. And then as you finish up tall through the jump, that unloads all the energy in your upper shoulder and in your, uh, in your trap and stuff like that. I don't know. Is that what you, do you guys ever notice anything like that? Um, I mean, when, it, when, when you're talking about coming through the bottom, I mean, I, that's basically what I was trying to describe. Really? Um, yeah, that, that exact thing is what I'm trying to describe. And like, it's like my like upper back and my core get like super tight when I do that. Cause I'm like trying to keep myself from crumpling at the bottom of the hill, basically. Dude, Yeah. It's like a massive roller coaster. Like you're going yeah. really fast. And you're going down a hill really quick and coming back up really quick, right? So, like, the pressure as you get to the bottom, and I remember we did this in physics, but I can't remember the the, the uh, free body diagram, but, like, um, it has to do with, like, momentum and maybe changing, changing momentum and impulse. But, like, as you're getting to the bottom, just sensationally, we know that, or we don't know, but you can feel it. You know, I mean, if you've ever ridden a roller coaster, you have that sensation. And uh, you feel all that you know, pressure wanting to like push you through the tracks essentially, right? If you're on a roller coaster or if you're jumping, it pushes you down through the floor. And um, that's just the react. That's a, that's a lot of reaction forces, I think. Um, partially the arm swing. I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. I've never really thought about this topic at all, uh, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> like that we just ended up kind of getting on it. But Isaiah, I don't know if you had any input on that and what your thoughts were. Uh, that's actually exactly how how two foot jump feels is the roller coaster um analogy like like it's literally like the top you know how you're going like slow at first and then it accelerates and then literally like the moment right before the very bottom of the roller coaster that's your penultimate and then everything else is like kind of coasts up and and then it's just like a, a you just float up from there um but yeah it's trampoline roller coaster it's it's literally the, the entire approach and penultimate you're just building up energy and then you almost don't try like when you plant it just it just happens at least when it's done right when it's done right and uh i know you saw Connor says he feels the tension build which is interesting yeah but, I, I think i think but, on my best jumps i don't but like because on my best jumps i'm not thinking about anything but like just knowing from other jumps I've done, like I do feel that sensation. But yeah. it's usually like Jose said, when I get tired and I have to start thinking really hard to stay focused, like then that's when I really notice it a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, it was it was said best uh, with Area 51. What he put on his story the other day, or his his page, I put it on my story. Yeah. I shared that as well. Yeah, Thursday. that was last Thursday. Last Thursday. Yeah. He said like, it's like fluidity or like water. Like you don't, you're super relaxed until like, I got it. I got it right here. Yeah. So he, said, he said, by the way, shout out to area 51. Um, he is a legendary TFV dunker. Um, he's only five, seven used to fly back in the day. What's um, his first name? Chand. Yeah. Chand. Um, his IG, if you want to go check him out, it's at area 51 dunks. Um, and he, he said, asked, by the way, real quick, he was my absolute favorite dunker ever, by the way. I don't know if you guys ever knew that. He was my all-time favorite dunker. Anyways, go ahead. He said, the hardest thing I learned early on was to relax through my motions. Technique is not just about how you move, but when to relax and when to apply your power at the right times. This is why I don't overexert myself on my lead up so I can maximize my final two steps. The biggest mistake I made early on was to try and push through my jump, which made me tense up. What looks effortless is actually efficient movement. Relaxed, fluid like water. Mm. Yeah, that's like the hardest thing to tell, like to teach people, I think, too, because they they think they have to like be tight to try hard. But this is not the case. Like 
you can try like I, I try super hard but don't tense up at all and you'll see too like i i think i think you and i are both a lot like this actually i think two foot jumpers are better at showing this than one foot maybe just because our run-ups usually aren't as far um but like the first three steps will be like not fast at all and then the last two will just it, it's like it's like I don't know how to describe it. It's like every step is like a little faster, but then those last two to three steps are just a lot faster. It always looks like it's really slow until the penult- until you ground the penultimate step, and then it's just like, you know what I mean? Full yeah. balls of the wall. Like if there's one spot that you should apply a lot of force, it's on, you should feel a long draw of force. It feels like it's on the penultimate step. Like the first step of a sprint, right? Coming out of the blocks. You see terrible people push out of the blocks whenever they chop their steps, right? Like if you've ever sprinted before and you watch a good sprinter, they open up their hips a ton on that first push. Like it is a super volitional open push the first two steps. It almost feels slower. It does. It feels slower than the rest of the race if you do it right. Well, why is that? Well, because your foot's on the ground for 200 200 milliseconds or something like that relative to 80 milliseconds. That's like less than half. Does anyone know what the ground contact time of a good two foot jump is? Actually, I'm literally um, on. I'm I'm measuring the frames right now. <laughs> I want to see. I want to compare the speed difference between um, the penultimate, like like your penultimate step, how long it's on the ground for, compared to like your plant leg and how quick and how long that's on the ground. Oh, you for. mean your block? I think you should look at the step prior too. like what would be interesting to me is like, let's look at ground contact times for someone like Nico and then someone like you, Isaiah, and then someone like Jordan. And then, you know, someone like Dan, because I think like when you get into this long, short versus short, short, long discussion, which if you guys don't know, if you ever seen Nico Christie jump, it's got a really short, quick penultimate step, but the step prior is very long. So he'll say, well, my penultimate step's super aggressive. It's super volitional. And it is, but it's more like a jab. Versus what I always give the analogy of like resting your hand on a heavy bag and then trying to push the bag over a long period of time or the first step of an acceleration, right? Nico's probably feels more like an upright sprint. It's like a tap. And uh, you guys probably feel a long volitional push, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest difference I noticed when I started two foot jumping well versus poorly. When I jump like doo-doo, I like hop into it and the the only way that works is if you're like Justin Darlington, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, if that's your natural style, I don't think anyone should really get away from it too much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like, that's like the speed jumper versus, like, power jumper. Yeah, that's, like, literally the two-foot equivalent of it. It is. And it's very similar, actually, because, like, like, speed jumping off one foot, your penultimate step comes, sweeps way behind you. And in power jumping, it feels, like, short and, like, you're on the ground longer, but you're like lower. I don't know. It's super, it's a weird sensation. I don't know how to explain it, but there's like more early on when I was learning speed jumping, it was more of like a sweeping sensation and leaving the penultimate step behind my body and a long draw on the ground early on. Now it's much quicker and everything happens. Like it's big and fast and fluid. Like that's how speed jumping feels like every, it's like a tap, but it happens so fast and so quick. And like, you don't even notice it versus like power jumping feels like I load up that like i can feel what did so, you find i'm measuring this, this is actually a connor in-game dunk it's the only video i had that was like pretty low frames per second 30 frames that way i can measure it quicker um the step before the penultimate so for connor this would be his his right foot mm-hmm. so his right foot is on the ground so this is right before the left foot and then penultimate his right foot's on the ground for seven frames out of 30 then, so wait He's a right left jumper, right? He's a right left jumper. Okay. I'm so actually, I'm right foot. And so you're saying left. right left, right left. You're on the right. The first yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. So this would the be like the right point two three seconds. It's on okay. the ground. Then his left foot is on the ground for point three seven seconds. And then and then his left and then his right leg, so the leg that's loading up into the jump. It's on the ground for .37 seconds. How, how long? .37 seconds. So the, the penultimate step and the, plant and the plant leg are the same. Yeah. Wow. 
that makes sense. Block, that's exactly what I just said. I said it probably feels like a long ass push. <laughs> like, yeah. I bet the block foot's like, I bet the block foot's like 180 bars or something like that. The block foot, um, if I had to guess, is 180. Point 20. Point, point 0.2? Mm-hmm. I said 0.18. That's not bad. I was and I think off. that's an in game dunk. So I'm going to say that's probably slower than like a max jump. Yeah, yeah, you're probably not running quite as fast, maybe. I can, um, literally, show, I can literally show what the jump looks like. Uh, um, no, you can't, because you're, you're in the... The Outlands. You're yeah. in the Outlands. <laughs> Let's see it. If you guys can't see this, it's an LA Fitness. It's weird. That, you don't even see the big push on it, but you can... I guess there's a big load up there. I can't really see it from this it's, angle. Yeah, that, was partly, that was actually a pretty, like not trying push yeah that was right when we started i also cramped super bad i my calf cramped so bad on that dunk like so i bet on like a legit full jump it would be an even bigger ground contact time on that uh it's like it's getting to almost two-thirds of a second so yeah i'll be right back i'll be right back continue this conversation yeah yeah and it's lasting just as long as your plant leg being on the ground, which is like where you're loading up all your your power and energy. That's that's really interesting that it's like, I don't, that's just such a coincidence that it's like, oh hey, your the push into it is the exact same amount of time that you're then amortizing to jump off of it. Like, and imagine imagine comparing for guys that are like long short where they don't extend fully, like that the amount of time that their penultimate uh. Plant leg is on the ground for is probably nothing compared to their actual like plant. Yeah. So like that that just shows that I don't know. I think you have to you really have to focus on just leaving that foot on the ground as long as possible and make sure you're just pushing behind you like that whole time. Yeah. I mean I think that's the biggest cue for sure. I, I usually like I've tried to tell people a bunch of different ways to do it. I've been like, you know, push forward extend forward and then like a lot of people will be like like film yourself and if your knees bent you didn't extend enough i think sometimes people run into issues where they're like they're too tight to uh, actually fully extend mm-hmm. which actually this is like a side topic but flexibility no, I mean, it's is all like, this is all about the penultimate step on yeah but uh-huh. yeah but it's like but it's like if you're not flexible enough to like actually extend all the way forward then flexibility is an issue for you. But other than that, like you don't need to be hyper like flexible to jump. That reminds me too. Another really key factor on a penultimate step for two feet is you should be low going into the penultimate step. So for a left, right jumper, this would be your right leg for a right, left jumper. This would be your left leg. You should be in basically a lunge position um, right before you take that, that penultimate step. And, and as you push out of it, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't, I always tell people, it's like, imagine there's a line, like there's like a freaking laser beam and it's right above your head and your head and it, and the laser beam is always going to stay. Like if you drop down, the laser beam is going to drop down. If you drop down even more, the laser beam is going to drop down with you. But if, if you, fu- if you go above, it's going to stay at the same level. It's going to kill you. Right. When you, and you're during your approach, your head should never pass that laser beam again. So how that would look. I'm taking my I'm I'm as you're doing your approach, you're getting lower, getting lower, getting lower. Take your penultimate and then you go lower. When people jump into it, they're getting lower, getting lower, getting lower, then they go high into it, right? So yeah. a way so you need to be low going into the penultimate in a lunge position, and then from there push out and down into yeah. the ground. I mean, it's literally how we're talking about the roller coaster. That's exactly what it looks like. And I've done this with a lot of people is like, I will take a video and just trace a dot on like where their hip is. And then I'll just follow their hip through the video. And it literally just goes whoop, like a perfect half circle on a good jump. But if it's not, then you'll see it like it goes up or it like is like it goes forward, but doesn't smoothly go down. It just jankily like goes down and back up. Like the smoother the circle is usually the, the better the jump. Yeah, yeah. Like, I bet if crazy interesting. like it would be like a perfect like yeah smooth. You know what's you know what's super interesting? That's called tracing the path of the center of mass. Um, it's not perfect, but if you trace the hip, it gives you a decent idea. And when you're high jumping, that exact thing is done. And it's interesting because two foot jumping is very different than one foot jumping. 
there's a lot of ways to jump high off one foot. There's a lot of ways to jump high off two feet. But on one foot, you typically want your center of mass to be low prior to grounding the penultimate step and stay low until takeoff. You don't want to see it drop down. It can come up slightly into the takeoff, but not too high. So like as you ground, like when I do really fast and high jumps off my speed jumping, um, it feels like, it feels like I honestly, this will sound corny as hell, but like, did you ever see Jurassic Park, the way the velociraptors are just like, you know, on a semi squat and they're, but they're still like springy. You know what I mean? They're like kind of like pre-sprung, ready to like bounce the shit and like kill you and jump on you and put their little talent in you. That's mm -hmm. what it feels like when I speed jump off my left or my right. I'm sorry. Like it feels like I'm like springy, but I'm in this slight semi squat and I'm trying to like run as like I'm like that 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 and then that like rhythm ratata. <laughs> it's like a Daniel song. Okay, dude. The the fact that you say that by the way, rhythm. That's literally how I jump. Like, Zay knows this, and I mean, John, you know this too. Like, I listen to music basically every time I dunk. And the reason is, like, for some reason, listening to the music helps the rhythm of my steps. Um, and, like, that's, like, more, more now when I jump really well, more than focusing on any, like, physical, like, ooh, I'm pushing now sort of thing, I, like, have, like, I focus on, like, a beat, basically. And that's, like, how my jump progresses is, like, through the beat. Yeah. Um, like I like when I watch like Nico jump, I can like tell his beat is different, and because his is like you know my, mine will be like boom 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 boom, but his is like boom 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 boom, and like there's like the last two steps are just like at the same time basically, because he just hops so it's like boop boop, and yeah. but mine has that like drawn out like boom boom, I don't know that that. I, I know, I know what you're trying to say. Confusing. Like, yeah, I know that's so, super confusing, but it's like a. I always say this: like, good jumping and good jumping is, in terms of your muscle activity, is like it's it's harmonic, like a symphony. It's like a perfect symphony where things turn on and off perfectly, and that's why it looks rhythmic. That's why it looks harmonic because the muscles are connected to levers, which are your bones, and the bones are moving according to how your muscles are contracting. So if things are turning off harmonically. In a, in a symphony, like like a perfect symphony, and it's going to be rhythmic. It's going to look rhythmic because your internal physiology is dictating this output that you're doing on the ground. So like if it doesn't look fluid, if it doesn't look harmonic, if it doesn't look like it's this beautiful uh, orchestra or symphony working together, then it's, it's not going to be pretty. And like it's going to be jarry and it's going to be... Uh, it's going to look like someone just freaking started banging on some drums off the beat or like playing the guitar with no purpose or timing on anything. And like biomechanics kind of work that way. So like that makes sense to me that that would be a cue. It works for me off one foot as well. Like when I jump really well, like the rhythm's like tossed and it's like one, two, three, like that's almost what it feels like. Well, it's, it's all by galloping and then I go, uh, left, right, left. That's kind of what I do. And it's like a big, it's like a big arm swing as well. And like, that happens so innately for me now. On my right foot, it's like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, one, two, three. That's what my right foot feels like on a full high jump approach. So like when I speed jump, but it's different according to like everything, depending on what you're doing. You know what I mean? I feel like that rhythm is going to change. It's task dependent. Um, Isaiah, I don't know if you had any comment on that. I just have a monkey in my head. Just... <laughs> 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 uh, no, but... For real though, like rhythm is is everything. Like you gotta you gotta have you gotta have good rhythm. A lot of dunkers have good rhythm when they dance. Fun fact. <laughs> well, basketball uh, players do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that's that's huge in terms of in terms of jumping is rhythm. Um, that's and it's something you can see improve from guys that like like that are young and then seeing their jumps like a few years later. Like I think rhythm is one of the biggest things that you can see that improves. Um, and I think that too, it, it, it comes with practice. Like it comes with practicing the right things at the right time. And this goes with anything with jump technique, you have to force yourself to fix it. Right. Um, Peter, Peter Haddad, perfect example. Um, changing people's penultimates, one of the hardest things you can do. Cause like a lot of people you'll jump lower initially. Connor McCallan, Connor McCallan, I think is how it's pronounced. He's been doing it really struggling with it and he's getting frustrated stay the course you've done one day you've done a week you've done a month that's 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 a blink yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah for real it, you you literally have to just 
just suck it up, eat it, and force yourself to use the good technique because that's going to pay dividends off in the future. Um, and yeah, for, extend, push that back leg hard. And <laughs> Keep it on the ground a long time because it's on the ground a long time. Like yeah. it should feel like a tap. It shouldn't feel like upright running. It should feel like the first step of an acceleration. And I find the body's really good at like, like auto-regulating itself. Like, like, yeah, if, like if, you practice, if you practice an efficient technique enough times, eventually it'll become your body's most efficient technique. Yes, you auto, you will auto regulate it for sure. Like you uh, figure it out, self regulate. I think is what uh, it's called. This is just like another like random cue for that. But a lot of the times, I would tell people to like, you literally want to think about breaking the concrete underneath your back foot. Like if that's not how hard you're trying to push, like you're not pushing. I like also, that. I mean, that's a that's like a track cue. That's like a track cue almost. Also, don't another bit another thing. Don't. Uh, Nathan George does this, where your back leg comes up super high when it oh, starts yeah. to come down. Um, yeah, keep that foot close to the ground, that back leg. I think, like, what's interesting is when I was in Florida, like, uh, what, about a month ago or something like that? We yeah. kind of, like, we were we were, in the, we were in the living room, and, like, I don't jump off two feet. Like, I really just don't. It kind of gives me hamstring tendonopathy on my plant foot because I'm really inflexible, and, like, I don't really load my hamstring that way. So it just adds a lot of compression because I, I try to do the – elite technique without elite preparation because i'm just like i mean i have elite preparation for one foot but i don't do shit for two foot so i'll just come into this and be like i got this <laughs> like and uh you know we're only talking about one portion of the entire jump right here which is kind of interesting we're really mostly talking about the penultimate step but i remember like telling myself to feel the different sensations and stuff and you guys are watching there and like if you played it in slow motion or whatever like positionally it wasn't terrible but there were a couple of things that were off and I was like, oh shit, like I, I'm open and I'm like, one of the things that most people don't do is they don't open up. They don't open up their movements. They don't get a bigger arm swing. They don't get a lot. They're, they're like, when you say a big arm swing, everyone understands that. When you say a big penultimate push, no one understands it. It's so weird. Like if you say big, big arm swing, your arm comes all the way back. It like yeah, pops if, all the way back behind you. If anything, when I tell people to have big arm swings, their arm swing becomes too big. Yeah. Like, like. Penultimate step is like one of those things where you almost can't you can't overdo the push. But arm swing is like you can have too much arm swing. Um, it's so weird. I, I've never that's understood you, that either. I think if you like mistime it, like if you mistime arm swing, I think it can push you forward as well, and that can uh, kind of screw you up. That's that, that too. Super common. Yeah, that that too. But it's also like if you don't have mobile enough shoulders people's first compensation is going to be their torso position. That's what yeah. I just said. Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, but it's like, you know why I feel like a lot of people don't understand this? is because they don't study their jumps. It's impossible. <laughs> if you've played your jumps frame by frame, if you, if you spend two hours a day playing your jumps frame by frame and compare it to somebody that's good, you can figure all this shit out. Like... People don't people don't spend enough time studying. Now, studying. I never actually did that, but something I've done a lot of is like I'll watch dunk mixes. Like when I was first starting to dunk, like obviously I'm watching Jordan Kilgannon, right? And I would like watch his jumps and like try to imagine being him at that moment. So like I had like tons of visualization practice. Like I, I wouldn't go watch my own stuff all the time, mm. but I would like watch everyone else and just like nonstop visualize like trying to jump like they did. Yeah, because you you end up noticing if you've watched hundreds and thousands of hours of dunk footage, like you're gonna be thinking while watching it. Like you're gonna eventually you're gonna notice every every little like. Aspect. Well, if you're curious, if you're just like a brain dead freaking rat that just like is a is just sitting in its freaking cage and it and they they took the brain out and it's just like watching TV because like it's just you know there's nothing going on up there. Then yeah, like there nothing is gonna process but if you're cu curious i think like we are and you really are passionate about something you want to know how is that possible yeah how the hell are they doing that so you're yeah, gonna yeah. like once you understand you're gonna, like, different way, you're gonna analyze it yeah, yeah. and, and well, i mean when people start analyzing what they do in the air i'm like that is the dumbest <laughs> like how people jump and they're like oh it's what they do in the air and i'm like you must know nothing about physics but no <laughs> yeah that's that's one of like oh my gosh man there have been so many there have been so many things that people have said about like once you leave the ground you do this it'll make you jump higher i'm like no it gives you the appearance of you jumping higher but that's if it i pull my feet up to my chest i look yeah. like a jump high but i yeah. actually like i think i think heel kick is extremely misunderstood i know we share this sentiment um 
I don't even know what it is. I don't exactly, even but I think I do think it's a balancing mechanism for the most part. Um, oh, do you mean when your heels come to your butt? Yeah, I'm talking about butt kick. Yeah, but but like in flight, because butt, butt kicking is a term by Yusu Stapina in high jump research that is like speed jumping. That's what butt kicking is in, in one foot. So when people say butt kicking in two foot, I'm like, but I'm I'm saying butt kicking is not a technical aspect of two foot jumping. That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I agree. Like, like um, I, if, if anything, it's like, okay, you push off the ground really hard, and it's either you're balancing or it's, uh, like, your muscle, um, like, relaxing and then contracting again because you just, you know, you just extended super hard, so now it's, like, coming back. Yeah, it's, like, relaxing in a sense. Yeah. What's weird is, like, for that to occur, like, whenever – I do that often when I jump off two feet. I feel like it's, like – it makes me feel like I'm floating. You know what I mean? Like you push off hard and then your feet come back to you in this fluid kind of motion and it just feels cool. But like, yeah. I think that... No, it feels great. It's, kind of, it's like it's like through extending my hip after takeoff, I want my feet to come back behind me because that's like, it's almost like visual. I visualize seeing that and then I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like your feet sure as shit aren't going to come out in front of you. <laughs> like, yeah, no, and they definitely should. Like your like feet are going to be behind you from if pushing. If your feet are coming out in front of you, like... That's something's fun. wrong yeah like, <laughs> so, would that happen like that wouldn't happen if they're not going to come out in front of you maybe uh, that's the entire defense when you jump your feet aren't going to move in front of you that's for sure <laughs> yeah i i think it's interesting because you talk like you talk about like being interested and i think that all of us like really appreciate like the scientific side of things like i'm like looking for like the objective truths in jump oh, yeah. training and like jump yeah. technique like I say all the time i'm like it's objectively true and people are like is that a thing and i'm like yeah objective yeah, people people don't understand the difference between like objective truth personal truth and there's like truths just because people say there are truth like yeah. which is just a lie um <laughs> like per personal truth i can understand being mistaken for like uh, objective truth um because that can be pretty tough right because if something is like extremely real for you like if something does work for you it does work for you that's just the truth but that doesn't mean it works for everybody. Yeah. Um, but that's like that that can be really hard to disconnect from, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where like we can get into this another time because this is really philosophical, but it's like levels of evidence, you know? Like this is why I say like case studies are the lowest level of evidence. But people make a shit ton of money on case studies. Well, I did this and it worked for me, so you should do it too. Well, how can you make that claim? Because mm -hmm. like there that's what that's and the then, whole point and, of the freaking scientific method. It goes way past just training. Like that's way, this will get too deep. We'll have to stop, but I'm just going to end it on like, like, f like not to trigger anybody, but like flat earth and like a bunch of other stuff is just like, it's not objectively true. <laughs> like Flat earth like, exists, Connor. I don't know what you're talking about. Have you I seen the know. earth? Do you know if it's flat? I've seen the earth and I've only ever seen it flat. Cause that's how I, 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 I believe in our lizard overlords. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Anyways, Isaiah, did you have any comments? Oh, I was just going to say, every dunker that sells a jump program basically just uses, like, uh, their own self, like, case study. Like, it'll it's be... The lowest, it is the oh. lowest form of evidence ever, and I yeah. hate it. It'll be like, yo, like, I, I did I, I did 100 calf raises and um, yeah. these, these squats right here, but, and, like, and that's it. That's what they sell. And, they sell their own... And that's... that's and, 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 and that's why it's like, it doesn't really upset me because I understand. Like, because I do the same thing for myself kind of, right? I did a lot of that. Like I went around and did a bunch of different stuff and like, I was like trying to find out like what specifically worked for me. But then as I've continued to coach people and I see that like these different things don't work for people that did work for me, like obviously something's there. Um, I'm, I'm so interested in like longer term studies of like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. With like actual scientific method applied, not just like yeah. anecdotal evidence and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like one of the things I'm most passionate about. I think anyone that knows me would say that is like, John, you're never wrong. You, you just, you just can never be wrong. I had a girl tell me that the other week. She's like, you're just, you're just never wrong. You just can't be ever wrong. Everything. You're just right. But like, what if it's true for me? And then I'm like, that goes back to the personal truth thing. And I'm like, we're talking about objective variables. We're not talking about like, it's like, um, What's the guy that was just on Rogan? Um, the guy from Canada that's a lecturer. What's his name? Um, uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. Love him. Love that guy to death. And he's like, the way he's talking is he's like, 
in an interview or whatever. And this, this woman's trying to like get a, get a rise out of him. And he's like, no, you're, you're saying she's like, well, you think this, or you think this. And he's like, no, I don't think that's the way it is. Like, this is what scientific evidence tells us the way it is. Like, this is not what I think. This isn't conjecture. This isn't my opinion. This is what science underneath a rigorous scientific method is demonstrating to us. And like, on known quantities that we've studied numerous times. Like this isn't your opinion because of your personal experience or your friend's personal experience. Like this is a bunch of, you know, experiences put together in a very controlled manner that gave us this answer and that we can study over and over again. It's repeatable and it gives us the same response. And I think it's like our entire training method is my entire backing as a coach is, is in the scientific method. It's look, this isn't just like, this is over and over again, we see these known quantities. But where this gets really tricky is when confirmation bias comes in. And so what you do is you look at every experience you ever had, and you only look for things that support your bias, just to confirm your bias, right? You're only looking for things that will 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 demonstrate or confirm the, the experience or the thought or the bias that you've already formed in your head to be true. So I know this to be true, so I'm only going to look for things that also show it to be true. And that's a big issue too, right? Because like, you know, if you go out and you're like, well, I coached a thousand athletes and every athlete I coach, um, you know, when I tell them to uh, hold their, when I tell them to, to grit their teeth, they all jump higher, right? They all jump higher. And it's like, well, how are you, how are you assessing that? How are you assessing that? Are you just, you just told them and therefore it must be, you, you told them to do it and therefore they did it and therefore they jump higher because of that. You think they're jumping higher or are you actually? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you only, you only assume the things are. Are there other variables that are causing them to jump higher or is it the teeth gritting? That's making yeah. And this, this is, that was kind of what I was getting with on the, like the flat earth thing is that like, like flat earth only exists because they took the things that confirm what they want and left out all the other hundreds of things that absolutely crush it objectively like um and but but people believe it so i I just saw the pleasure in john's face you say you're like yes um, (laughs) i hate it it's my biggest and and again i my whole thing is like i just i don't have any problem like if someone wants to believe it whatever believe it but um yeah like i i just don't want to live my life or my and have my training be that way and stuff like that well i think too like it really it all comes out in the wash and that's why I always love competition, because competition doesn't care what you think. What'd you say, Isaiah? I said objective truth always wins. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and that's and that's that's the other thing too is like I think when people say uh, like you know you're saying this girl said like oh you you can't be wrong, John. Like that's that's definitely not true, because from from what I know of John, because I've known him for a while now. I mean, we even shared a bedroom together. So. Um, Actually, it was a hotel room, but whatever. Um, so, like, like if, if, if we continued to train people and we, like, saw studies that backed other methods that were better and we tried methods and they did work better and then that's us confirming their method, like, we would switch to what is objectively better like, and proven like to be better in a day. Like, it, a study it came out a day. If a study came out that said if you get on a headstand, like do a headstand for five minutes daily, and that improves your vertical like more than any other kind of method that's out there, and it was objectively studied and measured, we would change all our training to do headstands for five minutes. We would, we would like build it in. Like one of the, <laughs> I do this with anecdote too sometimes. Like I don't know if you guys have known this, but like I will take things from anecdote and I'll say try it. Let me see. I want to see what happens. Let's try it with a bunch of athletes. And, see what and, and this is the truth is like anyone can apply the scientific method. So if someone else does something and says it works, we can try it with ourselves or with other athletes who want to, and we can be the people who are confirming their method. So then it is actually objective fact. Like, yeah. Well, you don't I have don't, to wait I, for it. I never think it's fact. I just think there's evidence. Right. But it's objectively su- supported. It's yeah. supported. Yeah, it's supported. It's objectively supported. Yeah. Maybe and, that's... And every, that's, that's everything in science is like facts for facts in the sense of, it's fact for what we know so far. I think, but, it's, I think it's like it's measurable in a sense. Yeah. But yeah. anything could change in a heartbeat, just depending on what is figured out. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think uh, what happens is like people disagree with me and they're like, I'm like, well, I abide by three things. Like I abide, and this, you know, this, this is for me. This isn't for everyone. And this is a personal truth, but it helps me make decisions. When it comes to jump training, I abide by 
scientific. And I, I abide by science. When it comes to my moral truths, I abide by the Bible. And when it comes to my uh, decisions as far as the law, I, I abide by whatever jurisdiction I live in, right? So like if I if someone says, hey, John, uh, you should go, you should go uh, rob that car. You should go break into that car. Well, I'm not going to break into the car because that breaks my, my moral code, what guides my moral code. You know, I, I shouldn't steal from another person. That's wrong. Um, and maybe that breaks the law. So I'm not going to do that. And therefore, to me, that is like wrong. Right. But if uh, so, let's go with like a scientific one. Um, John, uh, um, well, I shower before I jump and I always jump higher when I shower before I jump. Every time I jump high, and, and Barth showered one time and he jumped really high. So it must be the showering is the reason why he jumps high before he jumps. Okay, well, there's no scientific evidence to show that. None. Zero. I don't even like, so I'm not going to say that that is right or wrong, but like there's no evidence to support that. So that's going to be my defense. And people get pissed off at that. And I'm like, show me something that says otherwise that isn't just you doing what someone else told you or you doing what your own experience is. Like, I want you to show me something that demonstrates that this is true outside of just why well, I said so. Well, give me a body of work. Is there more than just you and Connor? Have you done this multiple times? Is it repeatable? Because if it's not, then I don't give a shit about it. Like, you know what I mean? And and this is another thing too that pisses me off. And because I love rants. People that don't, I heard I heard uh, my, my previous, or I guess my mentor, Mike Young say this. He was like, people that don't measure their training are afraid to see if their training works or not. That's why they don't measure it. People that don't test are afraid to see, they're, they're afraid to confront the fear of their training being ineffective. Right. Love testing. Yes. And test testing doesn't lie. That's the biggest thing. How you feel (laughs) lies to you. The the Vertec doesn't care about your feelings. I said it all the time. The Vertec doesn't care what you think your vertical is. It doesn't care. Like when I do your when I do your reach, it doesn't you might come up like everyone thinks everyone's like, I'm gonna come up to the vertex. It doesn't care. But if I do my own reach, it definitely cares about how I feel. (laughs) Exactly. But like, I always say like your touch, like whatever you touch, it doesn't care about your feelings. Like people will come out and they'll be like, like Dan's like kind of like, oh, you know, Dan gross. He's like, yeah, he's like gross, not gross. He's like, oh, I feel pretty good. I think like Isaiah and I are like under the impression Dan gross is going to come up and just slap the shit out of 12 feet. It's going to be game over. What's she going to head out and be like, what the hell? (laughs) Dan comes up, touches 11-6, which is like a warm up touch for Isaiah. Same exact reach. And we're all like, we look at Isaiah and I look at each other and we're like, how the hell did that happen? Like. But like, yeah. likewise, it doesn't care. The vertex doesn't care what you think your vertical is. It doesn't care how high you get your head to the rim. It doesn't care how high it looks like you get to the head to the rim. It you jump, you touch, and it tells you what your vertical is. Can like, we clarify Dan's maximum vertex touch now? Um, I yeah, I mean, I don't care. I think I think the highest he's touched is eleven seven, right? Is that the highest he's touched, Isaiah? Yeah. Yeah, that's that blows my mind. I didn't know that. <laughs> you think it way higher, wouldn't it? I thought he touched way higher than me. <laughs> No, I've touched higher than Dan. What well, is Dan, wrong with the world? Dan has, Dan has <laughs> tested like Dan has only tested one time on concrete, and he wasn't jumping super well. Hours of jumping. Yeah, oh, okay. so I think like I think Dan on a gym, like a good day, I think he could probably touch eleven ten. I think maybe. Yeah, maybe that's, I figured he'd be like high elevens. Yeah, I'm pretty good at guessing what people can touch, and I don't even go by the reach anymore. I just go by what I think they can touch. And like, it's funny because it, a while back Isaiah had. The discussion about our friend Austin Berkey potentially touching higher than me, and I was like, no, he won't. He was like, he's gonna touch higher than me, and I was like, no, he won't. He's gonna touch ten. I was like, Pops will touch like ten, ten, and like I'm pretty good at just assessing it. I actually do think in Austin's prime, Isaiah was right, but I was like going off of his current. I was like, there's just no way off one foot he can. But I think Austin in his prime could probably touch. I think he could touch like, based on seeing him jump the other day when I when I watched him off one, I think he probably could have touched like eleven. 11 1 11 11 1 maybe something like that isaiah you think that's right yeah yeah and his reach is considerably lower so his vertical is probably higher than mine is but it was like a funny discussion because it was just like austin came in thinking like oh i'm gonna crush him i'm gonna touch 11 11 5 warm-up jumps and like goes up off two feet and is like dude you haven't been training you haven't been doing anything again vertex does not care it doesn't discriminate i always say that the vertex your top touch your peak touch doesn't discriminate unless the vertex is leaning or you mismeasured like that. Yeah, dude, that's, that's, what's crazy is like when I, like everyone can know my true vertical. Um, when I, I measured my vert recently and got 39, I want to be say fairly that I measured it not with a vert tech, but with like tape in my hand, like slapping tape onto a backboard. 
So like it wasn't very accurate and I wasn't trying to be and I didn't really warm up. Like I was just trying to get a quick measurement to like guesstimate where I was at currently. Yeah. Um but what like it it's humbling. Uh that was the when I messaged y'all and told y'all that I like measured a, a like I measured like a thirty-eight and a thirty-nine, like back to back. What month I have no idea what month that was. This in. this was a month and a half ago. This was like this is like a month after I hurt my knee. So I hadn't done like much of anything. Oh, okay. And I like I wasn't jumping like at all, like because I was in quite a bit of pain. Yeah. Um, so. I know when we tested you when you dunked with Isaiah and Dan, it was a really bad day, and I think you tested like 38 or 39 as well that day, right? Yeah, and yeah. that was yeah that was that was from a, the 11 hour car drive. So. Yeah, that was that was bad. <laughs> and I also jumped the day before I left to drive there. So. Yeah, I just but, thought, yeah, the point of what we're saying is. Like you can, and this is the thing too, like when you get those objective numbers, you kind of, this is exactly what happens. You go, okay, why did that happen? Why did I jump that high? What happened? What went wrong? What went right? What did I do? Like, that's why I like testing. When you, when you, when you beat your PR by 10 pounds in a back squat, or when you jump, when you jump 38 or 35 or whatever, if you're me, I, there's days I go out and I can barely touch 11 feet off my left foot. Like that's like a barely a 30, it's like a 37 inch vertical or, or 36, 37 inch vertical touching 11 feet. 37 is not terrible, but like I look at that, and I'm like, damn, like I was really close to 40 a week or two ago. And people get discouraged, or I might get discouraged, but you shouldn't. Really, all that tells you is this is where you're at. What happened? What went wrong? What went right? What was the difference between this and the one that you did previously? Like that's why we test, so we can yeah. assess the situation and make decisions. You know, I was actually super ha happy when I tested that low, like Man. so quickly, because I was just like, well, dang. Like, I can do all these dunks now, and I'm jumping horrible compared to what I was jumping, like, a while back, objectively. Because, yeah. like, I had objectively tested, like, multiple inches higher than that. Um, yeah. So it was like, dang, if I just get back to that or even past that, like, I'm going to be a freak. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's the beauty of it. But we're, we're a little over an hour, actually, which is way longer than we thought we were going to be. Um, but that's fine. So this is the first podcast, guys. We're definitely going to be doing this. Um, more often, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I like doing them. I think you guys enjoy doing them as well. Podcasts uh, are dope. Yeah, I think they're fun. Isaiah, any comments? Um, no, nah, that's pretty much it. We don't want to tell you guys an exact schedule because that tends to be a personal truth and not an objective truth. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, um, I don't think it's going to be out yet on iTunes, maybe or Spotify. Um, I think we're going to put it out on YouTube, and then you can also check it out on Transistor. Um, and we'll add all that stuff to the – if you're watching this on YouTube, we're going to add all that stuff to the site, like, very soon. So yeah. you'll be able to find it in the members section and stuff like that. Yeah. And but other than that um, – Go ahead, Isaiah. Send us off. Other than that, make sure you like the video. Um, tag us on Instagram if you're listening to an episode. Make sure you tag us. Uh, that way we can repost you on our stories. And other than that, let's take it easy, guys. Train hard. Sign up for co uh, coaching, thspstrength.com. You'll get coached personalized by all three of us individually. Best training on the planet. And literally all three of us work together every day. We all write the training. Everyone asks weird questions like this. We all work on the training collectively. We all communicate every day. Like, it's it's my biggest quality. My biggest um, core value in the business is equality and fairness. So we are always working together to make sure that we do that. Um, that's what yep. this business was founded on. Um, yeah, Connor, did you have anything else as a send off? Um, it's nice to be on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I hope to bring many memes to the podcast. So Wow. So we so do have a history of memes coming up from the podcast. And I just want to say that even when I wasn't with THP, I listened to the podcast as long as it was running. Um, oh. because it, it made, it basically made me survive COVID. So there you go. <laughs> well, COVID's still going on. So maybe, maybe you guys will use this to survive a little longer. Anyways, guys, peace out. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time.